Hi, and welcome to Real Trail Talk. I am Donovan D'Souza from The Long Ways Better. And I'm Mark Pybus from The Life of Pi. Welcome to episode 62. We are diversifying our portfolio uh, this episode. Well, I guess we kind of have with some of our hiking adjacent stuff, but yeah, yeah, this is probably as far off from it as we've gone. Yeah, so this is not just us going to be talking about the Mundabidi and having people in and whatnot. This is actually Donovan has started writing the Mundabidi and is aiming to complete his sectional end-to-end this year. Yeah, um, so people who read The Long Ways Better may have noticed there's been a bit of radio silence, and this is why. So I've not really talked about it, but the in August there will be the the blog post will be released. This is the first time I've really talked about it in a mm-hmm. more public fashion. Because you even surprised us with this, because we've got our little hiking chat group. Yep. And like you'd mentioned that you were going to do some of the Mundabidi, but I just thought that was looking for different stuff to do as like on a, a day hike um, kind of thing. Mm. But you'd actually started your end-to-end well before you then announced what you were going to do. So it did start as a conversation, like, you know, what I said was true. I was just looking for something else to do, mm. basically, because my plans for the year were scuttled by COVID-19. So, mm. I mean, I'll say very much that it's, this is a, you know, a first world problem because we've managed to, not even a first world problem, because the US is the first world and yeah. they have not. Or are they really? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, like we're one of the few places in the world that are really lucky in terms of how we've, we've dealt with the with the virus and the pandemic. So I'm you know, fully aware of the fact that there are more things to worry about than your holiday plans being scuttled. But my plans were scuttled for the year and our plans included going up to Ningaloo to see the, the whale sharks over Easter. We were going to go to the Great Barrier Reef and do the Thorsman Trail. And possibly we we're gonna to go to Hawaii. So it was a very tropical year mm. and I just thought, well, if we're stuck in Western Australia, what can I do? And we had a chat about this, you know, about like what hiking trails are left to do. And there's not a lot of quality ones left to do. No, (laughs) especially with the the way they closed the borders off is pretty much east of the hills was a no-go. Yeah. Where most of like the the really good like autumn hiking was. I know because... I mean, we were both getting a little bit despondent about what was out there, and I kind of stopped hiking for a while, but you were really annoyed because you had concrete plans that yeah. really got affected, whereas I didn't have too many of those. Mm. Um, and also, I was re-listening to the 2019 In Review podcast, oh. <laughs> and we were talking about our 2020 plans, and you were so enthusiastic. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. No, it's 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 all right. So I, I think... I was really deflated for a long time, as you would have known, because I was complaining almost daily mm. about, you know, the situation. Not, you know, and I must say that I wasn't, I was very supportive of what McGowan's yeah. has done and is continuing to do. Um, but, you know, it was, it was like, what am I going to do this year? And then it occurred to me that I was only thinking hiking mm. and that there was this huge project that I could undertake this year. And in fact, that the entire track from Mundaring through to just south of Dwelling Up was within Perth and Peel. Mm. So that was like seven trips or six trips. And I thought, well, this is something I could tackle this year. And yeah, so that's how I'm doing 
an end to end of the Monday Biddy. Yeah, because when you mentioned that I got a, a world exclusive to read your your first three posts, yes, um, today, <laughs> and you mentioned in there that. Like before you started hiking seriously for the long way is better. Like you used to go mountain biking and I was the same as well. I'd go out every now and then mm. and that kind of got scrapped when all this became pretty serious and now you can kind of get back into it. Yeah. So it's not like you're a complete novice at this. It's just yeah. actually getting back onto the bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's that, you know, it, even though hiking, you know, I've got very strong legs from hiking, mm. um, but it uses a different set of muscles and a different, you know, skill set. Mm. And I had lost that from, you know, I used to cycle every night. I used to go cycle down the river and come back. And then when that, you know, that stopped, I lost that. And then it would just felt so frustrating hopping back on a bike. Mm. When the restrictions came in and I was just riding around the river again, I just suddenly felt it had all come back together and I went, oh, this is good. I need to, you know, make the most of this. Yeah. Yeah. Because I've just recently got on my bike as well, sort of semi-inspired by your efforts on my, my road bike, not my mountain bike. And it's just something like, um, you just get to see a lot more scenery when you're on a bike. And mm. I've always thought like, if you're a visitor to Perth, hiring a bike and riding around the river and Kings Park and everything is the best way to see it. Yeah. And we'll go into this a little bit more as the post goes on that, certain types of uh, forest you enjoy more when you're going a little bit faster. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right, so we might as well get stuck into it. Um, we're going to do this sequentially like we did with the bib. Yep. So we are starting off with map one, which is Mundaring to Jaredale. Yes. So a little bit different start compared to the, the Bibbleman. But yeah. a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I guess the first bit of... It, I feel it's very similar to that first day of the Bibbleman from Kalamunda and that you start oh. at a high point yeah. and you immediately plunge down. Mm. And so I think this is a nice sort of um, warm-up for the track because you start at a high point and then you follow the what is um, was originally the Katamoto Heritage Trail, which you've done, yeah. uh, and is also now part of the Kep track and the Mundabiti. So you get three trails for the price of one <laughs> here. Uh, going down the hill to the Mundaring will be a hotel. Mm. Um, and so that's starting from the Sculpture Park in Mundaring, and it's just downhill all the way, basically. So it's it's a pretty nice, easygoing uh, ride. Yeah, kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you've, you've, done, you've walked this bit. Yeah, so I think I've walked the first maybe 15 or 20 k's of the Mundabiti. So, yeah, it's a lot different on a bike, obviously. But, yeah, walking it, it's, it seems like a nice trail. It's fairly wide and accessible. Mm. Um, and, yeah, delving down into that beautiful valley where Mundaring Weir is. Yep. Mm. And you passed the Bibbleman at this point, And I think I wrote about it. You would have read what I said about that. Mm. And it was a weird thing because I've... I think you know from you know my dis from discussions that we've had that I've had had a bit of mixed feelings about the Bibbleman after finishing it. Like I I wrote I wrote in the blog post that I fell out of love with the Bibbleman track, yeah. and seeing it there, like I got, actually got really teary when I saw it, um, and it was because I realized like when when I was there when I did the bib I was it was before Marin Road and before all the trauma of you know constantly burnt forest. Mm. And it, I, rem, I was reminded about what I really loved about the bib when I started, and it was that sense of newness. Yeah. Um, 
and the sense of discovery and adventure. Um, and I realized certainly from doing the bib that that's something that really is an important part of my hiking practice mm. is that I do need to have that sense of newness to it. Otherwise I, I get pretty bored. Um, I'm certainly not someone who can, uh, you know, walk a trail again and again and again. Yeah. So this, this felt, it was nice to feel nice about the bib <laughs> um, and to come to grips with that feeling because I think I felt so frustrated about it for a long time and it was nice that the Mandibidi got me to feel good about it yeah yeah As, yeah I understand where you're coming from because it's that whole you get excited you plan you can look at as many photos as you want of a that someone else has taken and written about it but it's it's still that like what's going to be out there what am I going to see mm. and especially with like the long distance trails where it will cover separate bits of the state that you've never seen before and it could be bad it could be good but you don't know what's going to be there yeah exactly yeah just out of interest when was the last time you hiked a, a section of the bib not that long ago i mean i've done a monadnock section before they burnt it recently because mm. i did i think i may, may have done mount cook over summer like from the plantation up yeah oh and training for new zealand it? it would have been in training for before New Zealand, yeah. yeah. I think I might have done it when I came back, just out of like just really wanting to do something. Mm. But that would have been, yeah. Other than Monadnox and Mount Cook, probably not done a section in a long time. No, right. well, yeah. <laughs> we'll get back to the Mundabidi. <laughs> yeah. Um, so joining the Bibbit kind of passes Mundaring Weir Hotel, but then you get shoved onto Mundaring Weir Road which is you're not an experienced road cycler it can be a bit unnerving if there's a bit of traffic there yeah so I think it was a good in a way that there were COVID restrictions because there was not a lot of people out and about mm. uh, but I overshot the yeah I saw that because <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very easy to overshoot it um, mm. and I went up and went oh this doesn't seem right mm. turned around and yeah sure enough there it was and it made sense because it, it went along the the uh, Helena River. Mm. Something, though, I will say that I picked up very early on, which was cycling from Mundaring down to the Weir, was that Jara, in its stunted, burnt, scrappy form, mm -hmm. is much less objectionable on a bike. Because I think I struggle to see um, the forest from the hideous trees. But at the speed of a bike, it's easy to let it just wash over you. And so I actually found that I enjoyed Jarrah Forest. <laughs> Whoa, is this the start of a public apology to all Jarrah Forest everywhere? <laughs> Not all Jarrah Forest, as you'll see. Um, but I've come to actually like Jarrah Forest a lot more. Okay. Um, um, I should point out we are drinking, but we've only just started. <laughs> um and there's actually some really nice Jarrah Forest in this map section mm. and even better in the, some of the later sections, but we'll, I digress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so along the Helena River, it's actually really nice. I was surprised when I did this as part of the uh, the Golden Helena Valley something, something that I did up, mm. that it's not just 4 by 4 track. It goes off into the... It's like on single trail, you get to see the river a fair bit. It's yeah. a really beautiful section. I think they've made the most of it because the, the cheap way out would have just gone, oh, we'll just follow the pipeline. Mm. And yes, you do follow the pipeline a bit, 
but it also just takes you down on single track past like beautiful granite boulders and then back onto the main uh, main road and then back down and it's yeah just really nice scenery uh, and then once it crosses the Helena Valley mm. um, onto the other side it, it goes up very steeply and at this point this is my first day of the track and I was thinking gee what have I gotten myself into this seems you know really am I out of this is out of my league mm. um, so I pushed the bike up but then I also had a chain uh, slip at that point as well and my gears weren't working properly yeah. um, but what made it really enjoyable though was the wandu through here and it's like old growth wandu mm. you know, massive wandu so I was really happy you know it's one of my favorite trees yeah. so yeah I was having a good time in spite of the quite challenging terrain mm. yeah it's a beautiful section and like when I was walking it all I could think of is Don would love this <laughs> <laughs> and you are correct yeah. <laughs> I did um, and also around that area if I'm correct there's a touring route and then the regular route that you can take is that right y yeah so I, I think that they're going to get rid of it the touring route but yes mm. there is a split there um, but what has happened is that they're actually going to do some work to make the trail a bit easier through here because I think they've recognized that this is the first bit that a lot of people do mm. and it's just dispiriting to have this challenge straight away so that and the issue is that the touring route kicks in once the worst of the climb is over yeah so I think with the work that they're doing, it sort of negates the need for the touring route. Mm. And I decided that I was not going to take the touring route anyway. Mm. I was going to take the main trail. Um, and I, well, I was happy with my decision. It was quite nice going through the, the areas there. So it links up with the um, Kalamunda circuit and links up with the Bibbulmun track. And a lot of people will recognize it for that bit where it goes past the, the granite, granite flat area. Yeah. And there's like a million trail markers for every single trail that intersects. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's like some of the old trails that used to go through there as well. Yeah. Um, so it follows the Kalamunda circuit up to the Dell, which is a very popular mountain bike area. Mm. And then from there, it's um, a lot more uphill as well because you've got Mount Gungeon. That's right. To yeah. try and get, which I think is the highest point in like the actual hills hills bit where all the suburbs are yeah so that's you know it's a bit of a push up there. there's a very slow up mm. um and it goes for a while and you have to be careful because you're you know slowly going up while there's all these mountain bike tracks that are crossing yeah it's quite dangerous i'm surprised they don't have like the stop signs like they do later on yeah because you'd assume the Mundabidi cyclists would get the stop sign, not the downhillers. Yeah, I mean, there were so many... I think they actually have a sign to say to give way to people on the track, mm -hmm. uh, the the Mundabidi, not the oh, mountain bikers. And, and I stopped a few times to let the mountain bikers go through because yeah, that's that, just an accident waiting to happen. Yeah, they can't stop as quickly as what you would. That's right. So, yeah, and this was... You know, it was uh, a bit of a... Of a struggle going up the hill but i got there and then it's nice and downhill uh to near the perth observatory mm. so there's some nice sort of single track there it's nice and flowy and goes down to the to the junction there and that's where Alyssa picked me up because i i didn't want to do the full 40ks to start with yeah and i had a good taste for it and really enjoyed it and so much so that i said to Alyssa, can i come back on monday <laughs> <laughs> Um, 
so this was Anzac Day, and we had the Monday. I had the Monday off, yeah. and so went back and did the next section, which went from there to uh, Brookton Highway via the next the next campsite. So the it goes the this bit was really nice. Like it it went through a lot of like Jarrah Forest and uh, apple orchards, mm. and. You know, like, how I always joke about Korang National Park and say, like, how is this a national park? Yeah. This is so crap. And Channel 10 Tower Walk is in that national park, so... The Carmel Walk, which you didn't really enjoy. <laughs> no. Uh, so a lot of walks I haven't enjoyed, but I had to eat humble pie because there is a section which has all these really tall jarra and it's downhill through the forest and it winds through and it's just it's awesome mm. so yeah i actually liked a bit of korang national park yeah when <laughs> i read that i was like like really there's like there's that good quality forest in korang national park because like why is there not a walk trail? i know there's a mountain bike trail through there but like why put the carmel walk where it is when you could probably make a, a better walk trail up where the Mundabidi goes. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. A bit weird, that one. Yeah. I th- I feel like there's a, a sense of like, and this is something we'll talk about in another episode sometime in the future, but I feel like there's a sense that as hikers, we're made to just accept what we're given and we're made to think that the Jarrah Forest that you see that is a bit crappy and scrappy is perfectly beautiful and fine. Mm. And... Yes, I have probably softened my feelings about Jarrah significantly, but I still will not accept low-quality Jarrah forest as being just as good as old-growth. Yeah. Like, that's not the same thing. Because it's really striking when you come across old-growth Jarrah and you're like, oh, wow, they branch out at the at the top <laughs> and there's a canopy and it can actually look really nice. Yep. Whereas most of what we get is regrowth forest. And like as I was getting towards the end of the Billman... I just reflected back thinking, hang on, most of what we walk through is regrowth. Yeah. There's very little old growth or like significantly older trees. Yeah. Just around. So it really does hit you when you come into a nice patch like you did. As you're saying, you know, sometimes even like if it was like planted in 1920, mm-hmm. at least that's 100 years old and it looks nice. Like in Dwelling yeah. Up, you've got that. Yeah. But then... A lot of the other stuff, it looks like it's only maybe 30 or 40 years old. Hmm. And very burnt. And is still probably logged to this day. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So from Kurong, you kind of, there's a bit of road cycling uh, mixed in there. Yeah, so up you go past an orchard and you have to go up this hill and it's like 3Ks on the road. And this is, again, I think something that I found quite different. If that was on foot, I would have really hated it because mm. that's like almost an hour um, whereas on a bike... At your speed, five, ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that long. It was certainly not, you know, like I'd say it'd probably be like 45 minutes on foot if you were with a backpack and stuff. Mm. Uh, whereas on a bike, it was, you know, very much shorter and didn't feel as, as horrible. Um, but then, yeah, from there you pass through more of Korang and then you end up in the, the Dale Road area. Mm. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah, I mean, as you said in your post, it's familiar to hikers because that's your access point to Mount Dale. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the Mundabidi riders, it is home and you get to cycle through that forest. What's that area like? Is it different as you're driving in or is it 
much the same of kind of so-so Jarrah. Yeah, it's so-so. Uh, I think, though, surprisingly, the the campsite's only about 2Ks from Dale Road um, down the track. And yet Carinio is actually a really nice spot. I think that they've picked a good spot. It has a lot of she-oak around there, and mm. it's really nicely laid out. Quite open space in front of the hut. And I I know you agree with me that the Mundabidi huts are better than the Bibbulmun huts. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll talk about them now. It's just, I think it benefits from being a much newer track mm. and the fact that the materials that they use, they've put a bit of thought into the design well before they're all put in, whereas the Bibbulmun, it was, we're going to open this up. Like before, the Bibbulmun was just like water tanks and you tented. Yeah. And then they started to bring in the, the shelters and they were built by prisoners and it was kind of like a, a progression that they then stopped and said well, we're just going to use this design from now on mm. whereas the Mundabidi being much newer it's more thought out you've got that kind of top bit of the roof that then sticks out and then you've got the two bottom sections of the roof yep. and there's two sleeping areas that are all enclosed you've got little bike shelters I actually really enjoy them I mean so much so that DBCA have started using them like on the Hakia Trail. It's yeah. It's a good design. Yeah. I think that, that that really is a sign that it's a design that's probably more... Well, first of all, it's more sustainable because it will s- largely survive a fire, at least mm. the frame will. And also, it's it's just a... you know a, a, They came up with a really good design idea there. And I think that if we did more multi-days that had some kind of shelter design, we'd probably see more of these than a Bibbleman one. Mm. Particularly, I don't think we'll ever see a wooden structure ever again. Yeah. And um, how often do they get used? I think a lot less than the Bibbleman. Yeah. Uh, I think that this one is really popular with Bogans because it's easy <laughs> to get to. Uh, I have read like a few blog posts that people have, have had... Um, encounters with some locals pulling up and having parties there. Mm. Uh, the the gate into there, you know, it's only a short walk, but the gate had, someone had like bulldozed the tree to the oh left of God. it so they could go around. And it's just like, first of all, it's, it's amazingly ironic because the, the effort to get there by foot isn't that difficult. Mm. And yet they went to all the effort of pulling out a tree just so that they could lazily drive right up to the hut. Yeah, but you've got to understand that they've probably got like two cartons worth of emu exports. <laughs> probably like a huge... You know, they probably wouldn't bring their own firewood. They'd just chop down a tree and <laughs> yeah. burn it. But yeah. And that's actually a good point. The Mundabidi is completely no fires. Okay. There's no fire pits. Yeah, I kind of understand but then not really because like the dbca like car camping spots most of them have campfires there yeah so that's an odd choice that they've made there because it's Mm. a good way to like get your get to know your fellow riders or hikers or whatever it's hanging around the campsite around Mm. the campfire having a a chat i think that they they make opportunities elsewhere because i like this bench seating there's a lot more seating areas undercover okay so i think that that encourages people to hang out and chat and particularly later on in the track where there's the ones with the balconies Mm. i think that they're really great meeting places for people um but maybe that doesn't help if you're cold yeah that's what i'm thinking like it's great to chat but if you're freezing cold because there's no source of warmth 
maybe just go to bed early. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so that's day one. Day one, Carinia campsite. And then you finished off at Brookton Highway, which isn't too far away from Carinia, is it? Yeah, so this it's basically just downhill all the way, which was good fun. The only thing I'll say is that you have to pick the weather because if it had rained just two days before, so it was nice and and firm. Mm. But I have seen photos of people just having like loose gravel through here and it, you know you can barely control it uh, yeah. someone said it's like riding on ball bearings um and given i've crashed twice i'll say yes yeah because <laughs> it is that kind of surface that like if you sink into it it just kind of like folds over your wheel yeah and it's like yeah it's really hard to to try and get going yeah yeah um, so Brookton Highway onwards, mm. this one's kind of a bit weird because it has to skirt a water catchment area. Yep. Um, and it wasn't one of your most favorite nope. sections. It's So the problem with it is that it's a bit, it's challenging because it's up and down. It's constantly undul- undulating through here. And also the forest is very much regrowth. And also, it's very much been burnt recently. Mm. <laughs> and also, very popular with dirt bike riders. Um, when Alyssa dropped me off at Brookton Highway, she saw 50 dirt bikes turn onto the Mundabidi. Oh and thankfully, they didn't follow it all the way because mm. uh, they didn't pass me. But yeah, they went down on the Mundabidi. Yeah, uh, and, you know, ripping through the valley. <laughs> well, they're on bikes; they're allowed to. That's the same thing. <laughs> There's very specifically pictures saying no dirt bikes. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it wasn't too bad though, because you have photos of some nice granite boulders that you could see, and a few platforms here and there. Yeah, I think there's there's certainly things here. I think I feel like this area there's probably more opportunity for. I think if the trail could go to these things a bit more, because like mm. you can just off the track, you can see massive granite boulders um, and slabs that are sort of like Abyssinia rock style. Mm. And in fact, it goes past that one near the road, that one that you were talking about. Yeah, boulder rock. Yeah. So it, it's only like 500 meters from boulder rock, but doesn't actually go to boulder rock, which mm. I think is weird, because even if they marked it as a side trip, I would have probably seen that as worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think more could be done through here. Uh, I understand the limitations because they've got a water catchment on one side and then they've got the disease risk area on the other. And clearly they've just gone, well, bikes, are, bikes shouldn't go into the catchment area and shouldn't go into the disease risk area. Mm. This is where you're going to go. Yeah. And unfortunately, it's just this up and down through burnt, scrappy Jarrah. And to make matters worse, I forgot my helmet. Yeah, I was gonna ask when i read that i was like how do you get was it like half an hour in and you realized you'd forgotten your helmet yeah i um i realized as the wind blew through my head <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was because it was the first time i'd had my top tube bag mm. on a bike so i had that and i think I had a few other bits and bobs that i'd, I'd had to put together mm. and i'd just been used to like hop on the bike put the helmet on and that was the the ritual of getting ready but this was like starting to gear up for doing this seriously Mm. and so i just completely lost track of the helmet and of course Alyssa had driven away so there's no point in riding back yeah so i just had to press on and just 
hope he didn't crash. <laughs> yeah. So every time there was loose gravelly sections, I took it very easy. And there's this one bit where it just careens down the hill and it's it's just got washed away uh, erosion all mm. the way through it. And I had to just be careful going down there because it, it, that would have been a, a probably pretty deadly to f- fly you yeah. know, over the handlebars for. I won't say it's ironic if you had a fallen off and hit your head on a Jarrah <laughs> tree, but <laughs> let's leave that out there. Yeah. Um, so getting into leaving the the scrappy area, you get into like the Mondanox conservation area, just north of yeah Mountain highway. And so it's a lot better. Yeah. So it crosses over. Um, it, it goes on to Kinsella Road, and then follows that for a little bit. But then it does this weird thing where it turns back west mm. towards the pine plantation and then follows close to the road and i get what they they were doing in a sense because they were trying to take it off kinsella road so you're not just on kinsella road for ages yeah but really the only thing of value here was that i passed a spectacular car wreck where <laughs> where bogans had taken a shotty to it yeah. and just shot there's just like all these shotgun shells everywhere around the car. Mm. Um, masterpiece. But that was basically the main like draw of this this loop that I did. Yeah. Uh, but then it goes to the Glen Eagle picnic area. And that was so nice. That was like probably a big change. And there was also some nice bits of she-oak, I guess, when it went, went into Monad Knox. Oh. I've discovered that she-oak is the cyclist's friend. Just yeah. makes a lovely bed yeah, to like cycle a very on. Soft mattress. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Was nice getting that change, and then coming to Glen Eagle, which of course is famous for being both an old town site. Yeah. Uh, it's one that you drive past a lot in Albany Highway. Also, where the Morehouse murders were buried. Mm. Uh, so there's a bit of infamy there. So because nice pine plantation through there, isn't there? Yeah, a lot yeah. of pine plantation. Some, you know, those nice granite boulders behind there. Mm. Um, but yes, pine plantation. Yeah, because I was in dwelling up on the weekend, and like I was just driving past a really thick pine plantation. I was like, it's so dark. Five meters in, perfect place to bury your bodies. <laughs> <laughs> not that I have any to bury, but I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Why not? Who's going to yeah. find them until they harvest? Exactly. So I think that that was uh, that was the reason for that. Place. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, for people who are true crime fans, there's also a little bit of connection there, a bit of interest. Mm-hmm. So I certainly found that interesting to go through that area, see both an old town site that is no longer, mm-hmm. and also to think about this is a place where murders happened, or at least bodies were buried. Yeah, because Perth doesn't really have too much of that. Like it's. If you were just there, it's just a place that you go. You don't really think that bad stuff has happened. Yeah. Because it happens so rarely that, like, people would bury bodies out and be, like, I don't know, naughty like that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, But then crossing Albany Highway, um, it kind of, it gets okay here? Yeah, it was very pleasant. So it was just a nice downhill cycle towards the next hut which is one gong hut mm. and it was it was great after like all the undulations over the day and some of the quite tricky descents to then have just this nice easy just don't have to think uh, don't have to pedal very hard and just keep going mm. and the 
the hut is actually on a bit of a spur, quite a long spur, in fact. Mm. And at the time, the Bibbulmun was actually diverted through this way. Oh, because they had torched. Monodox. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the and it's one of those ones where I think if you didn't expect it, you would have been just going, no! Because it was like... 21Ks. 21Ks instead of 9Ks. Yeah. Uh, and when you get to that junction, it would have been like the experience to get to Long Point where you're like, well, where is yeah. this place? I've seen a campsite sign, but no, it's like, you know, 500 meters away. Yeah, so the the campsite, I think it's it's designed to be a bit further away and it's fine if you're on a bike mm. because, you know, that's nothing. It's less than five minutes. Mm. Whereas on foot, it would have been a longer walk than that. Mm. But the campsite's, again, very lovely. I think it's very well appointed, well situated, and they've actually thought about it because in Carinia, they've got the the benches in the front of the hut which makes sense because it's got a more open sort of approach to the campsite. Mm. Whereas here they've put the seating area and the bike maintenance area in the front of the building mm. and they've put the seating at the back facing the forest. And I think that that is, I like that even though it's the same hut design, yeah. they've thought about the orientation really well. Yeah. Yeah. So lovely spot. Um, again, not that far from the main road, which I was quite surprised by. Um, but really good quality campsite that I think I would have been happy to have stayed at. Was it like a Gringer Creek scenario where you could hear the traffic from Albany Highway or was it fairly sheltered? Uh, I think it's far enough from Albany Highway that you don't hear that much of it. It's more closer to Jaredale. Mm. I think in a busier time and if you probably were, it was nighttime, you probably could hear cars passing. But I didn't really hear very much. Mm. Um, that would have to be something I guess, guess you have to experience if you were actually camping. Yeah, because these first two huts, you didn't really, you didn't stay at, did you? It was just kind of a a stop in. Yeah. The day. So the first one in particular was before COVID restrictions were lifted, mm. so that it, I wouldn't have been able to even if I wanted to. Yeah. And the second one, I think maybe they were lifted, but I'm not sure. Because. Wongong, where it is, would have been outside of the travel. Wongong um, is within the area, but there's that little section in Glen Eagle, yeah. which is just outside by <laughs> 250 meters. Uh. And originally, I was I wasn't going to do that section until I got the all clear. Mm. But the Mundabidi Foundation said that you could cycle the entire trail from. Mundaring through to Nanga yep. I thought well that's the green light yep. I'm going to do it Someone said it's okay Someone said it's okay <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly yeah. And what's it like heading south from Wongong Kind of heads towards Sullivan Rock area Yeah so it crosses Jaredale Road And it's it like I feel Once you pass Glen Eagle The forest just gets better and better and better mm. And it got really good up until Jaredale Road. And then it drops off a little bit, but it's still like acceptable looking. Mm. Um, and you can see where the Bibbulmun was following the Mandabidi and then branched off towards Sullivan Rock. Um, and it's, it's interesting because it skirts fairly close. Like if you look at the map, you can see the start of the plant plantation. Yeah. Um, but then it doesn't actually go to Sullivan Rock. And then 
sort of takes these back roads through um, through to Jaredel via the prisoner of war camp that's there mm-hmm. in Balmoral. It's kind of, it's a very interesting history that doesn't really get talked about. Yeah, for sure. Everyone knows about how the Japanese were put in internment camps in America, mm. but we don't talk about how we did that to the Italians. Yeah, I, I don't recall actually hearing that before I read it today in your post. Like, it's just a weird thing that you'd think either the Italian community would have spoken up about it or someone like it would have been mentioned somewhere in history but it just mm. like unless you're there and reading the information signs I don't think many people would know about that yeah definitely and I think what's interesting is that you read reading it and they were talking about how the Italians who were in the camps often wanted to come back and some of them actually did migrate in the 50s mm because they really liked the area. And who can blame them? I mean, yes, they're in a prisoner of war camp. Yeah. But the Jarrah in that area is magnificent. Like it's I think that this must have been one of the earliest places logged in the area because the trees have grown back to being almost old growth height. Yeah. So it's a really nice area for cycling, very pleasant. And then the prison of war camp is only like a, a short few hundred meter walk. It's why I've never written, written it up because it mm. just didn't feel worth the effort to just go and do that. Yeah. But while you're there, you might as well do it. Yeah. Because they've recently put in, I know Headley, um, who's big in the, the hiking scene in, in Perth, is yep. he's tried to, or he has with a group of people, gone and maintained the trail that leads to Sullivan Rock. Oh, yeah, the Balmoral Track. The Balmoral Track. Yeah. Um, but then they went and burnt that straight <laughs> after they uh, yeah. finished it, um, which is not, not fantastic. No, it's not. Because that's, that's actually a really cool idea, you know, to create a spur that joins on to Jaredell, because Jaredell mm. is such a, a popular trail town in yeah. the area. It, it makes sense. And mm. then it's such a shame that they did that. Mm. Yeah. From Balmoral heading into Jarradale, mm. um, heads the old railway formations that would have carried all the Jarra logs yep. back to Jarradale and then off to Rockingham. Yep. This is where you kind of ran into your first bit of uh, cycling trouble. Yeah, so I, I was, you know, loving it because it's this narrow um, trail through stunning forest. What? What I would call stunning, what DBCA would call high fuel load, I suppose. Um, really lush and, st- and beautiful. And then when I stopped to look at one of those, you know, they have those log loading platforms. Yeah, yeah. So they had one of those in the forest. And as I got picked up my bike, I was like, oh, my brake lever's bending the other way. Mm. Oh, it's completely snapped off now. Um I guess one breaks okay. I think I'll be fine. No, I wasn't fine. Yeah, it was uh, the wrong brake. It was the wrong brake <laughs> brake lever. Yes, so it was my rear one, and on pavement that's okay. You can get away with that. Not on pea gravel. So I came to a bit of a bend in the in the path when I was supposed to turn to the left, hit the brakes. The rear wheel kept going, spun out of control, uh, grazed my knee, and it scraped on the ground, and then my shoulder went straight into a tree. Ouch. Was it a Jarrah tree? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) And you're saying, good karma. (laughs) No, I never like when you get injured, but it is kind of funny (laughs) when it's a Jarrah tree. (laughs) Yep. 
And after I'd said such nice things yeah. to <laughs> Um Yeah, so that wasn't pleasant. And it took the, you know, took the winds out of my sails for the rest of the day, mm. in a sense, because I was in pain. I normally carry gaffer and some cable ties with my hiking kit. But I didn't have my hiking kit with me. So I had to make do with what I had. And I realized, look, I need to... I need to mend this brake lever. Mm. So I got a massive bandage and just wrapped the, wrapped it around the brake lever. And you'll see photos on the blog when I post it mm. of my MacGyvered brake lever. I was like, oh yeah, this works. And I um, dealt with my, my bloody knee and mm. my shoulder. But um, yeah, certainly it was a painful cycle in. But, you know, if I take away the pain elements, it was a nice ride into town. Yeah. Uh, surprisingly so in some parts, because you, you come into like this sort of farming area before you actually get into town. Mm. But then just before you reach town, it's another lovely pocket of forest. So that was, that was nice to end that. Because, you know, sometimes days into town are very compromised yeah but this was actually a really nice day into town because mm. i suppose like on a bike like sometimes going in and out of a town on foot can last an hour or so but if you're on a bike that could be 20 minutes yeah where where you're going through the compromise section mm. yeah but, i mean jaredale is one of those towns that it's it's meant to feel like it's a like a nature town like yeah. it's not cleared that heavily um, although there are logging and mining areas right near town, it kind of feels like it's in the forest. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Mm. So one of the things is I think that the Mandibidi could do better with signage like the Bibbulmun, like they have the trailheads in all of the towns. Yeah. I haven't seen a particularly big, obvious trailhead in any of the towns except for the, the start in Mundaring. Mm. And I feel like those are great things. It makes people see and go, oh, what is this? And maybe there is one there, but I didn't see it. Yeah, I'm trying to think for dwelling up because there's a Billman track one right outside the visitor center. Yeah. I can't recall a Mundabidi style one there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bit of a missed opportunity for them as it well. It is, yeah. Um, and I didn't see as many people as I see on the Bibbulmun. Yeah, I've kind of like that's my impression of the Mundabidi is it's great that it's there, but not many people ride it end to end. Mm. I think the mountain biking scene in Perth is more geared towards your downhill and your like your weekend day trips on technical trails rather than yeah. long distance bike packing. Yep. I think that that's an interesting thing because there's two ways of of seeing it. It's like you could see the trail as being an extension of the Bibbulmun in that it's a long distance trail but it's just on a bike instead of on foot mm. and the other side of it is people who are coming from the touring world where they they like ride around Australia and this would be a good way of doing the the southwest corner yeah so I think that that's an interesting thing because it's sort of in between the two but it's not quite either because mm. you know a lot of people who do touring don't have mountain bikes they have road bikes or yeah. like a gravel bike but um, yeah, it was. This is you know the first first map I've done of the the trail, and yep. I really enjoyed it. That's good. It's good to see you like reformed and <laughs> open to new experiences. Not that you were against mountain biking before, but 
yeah, finding a new niche to to explore and enjoy. I think, you know, part of why I didn't say anything. So first of all, I was also, I didn't say anything because I, I didn't know if this was something I was going to do. And I didn't want to announce, I'm going to do this and then go, actually, I hate it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> but also, I felt a little bit like it was a betrayal of the hiking community. <laughs> no, I think like mountain bikers and hikers are fairly like agreeable on most things. Yeah. It's just a method of getting from A to B that we choose differently in yeah and I learned, like a lot of hikers and mountain bikers and the other way around as well so mm. it's not like trail bike riders and mountain bikers where there is a conflict of interest there yes i mean i certainly have seen bits of the track where uh you know dirt bikes have gone through and it's not pleasant to ride in the the ruts that they create mm. Mm. all right so i guess we'd better start off this mundabu thing with talking about your gear a little bit I'm sure people will be intrigued as to know, like, either A, how you converted your hiking gear into bikepacking gear, Mm. and also what kind of stuff that you do have and have bought specifically for the Mundabiti. Sure. So I started this with my 10-year-old mountain bike, which I used for this map. And after the the lever snap, I thought, it's time to get a new one. Because yes, so like one thing breaks and you're like new bike. <laughs> well, it was two things because it was the the my uh, front derailleur is, isn't isn't working anymore. Yeah, not correctly. I'd have to I work to realign it and it's better, but it's still not perfect. And I have to send it into the shop for that. So it was going to be you know the cost of a full bike maintenance, probably an overhaul of the gear system. Mm replace the brake levers which probably they don't make that model anymore so i have to replace the whole thing and then you're just looking at six hundred dollars i think my last time i sent a bike in it was like four five hundred dollars for the overhaul geez because i've got mine going in on thursday (laughs) 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 yeah um the bike had been very badly maintained at that point so i thought look if i'm going to spend that kind of money I'd like to do an upgrade, especially if I'm going to be pushing it for, you know, over a thousand kilometers. Mm. So I bought a new bike and I had a look at what I wanted. So one of the things I wanted because of the front derailleur issue, Mm. I wanted a one by 10 or 11. Yeah. So that means it has one chain ring on the uh, drivetrain rather than the two or three that are common Mm. on other bikes. So went down to one which is you know there aren't pros and cons to that but it's more mechanically simple which yeah. is what i wanted and i went with the polygon extrada 6 which i bought online and the reason for this was the what i wanted this was the cheapest i could get so i, I paid 999 for it and to get comparable with other stuff was a few, was you know probably like a hundred or two hundred dollars more with another brand. Mm. So this is an Indonesian brand, and I'm been really happy with the new bike. It's very light, and with that I've also included some bike packing gear which I wouldn't have had. Mm. So at the front I've got a bag, a handlebar bag, which is a, a roll bag. And that clips into like there's this thing that kind of hugs the the roll, and mm. you roll it in on both sides. And it, you know, people who who've hiked will know, like the Cedar Summit bags, and it's very similar to uh, that. Yeah. 
Um, except it's got a air valve, which I think is really cool. Yeah, you showed that to me. I was like, why do not more of these have it? Because I struggle trying to get the air out of my dry yeah. sacks, and it takes up a lot of space. So, yeah. yeah. So some get on that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know why this is not. And I actually would use these bags now for hiking because mm. I think that's a really good feature. So they're, um, that's the front one. Then I've got a top tube bag, which sits on top. And it lo looks like the, some people call it the fuel tank bag because it looks like where <laughs> you'd put the fuel if it was a motorbike. Yeah. And originally I was using that to put my bike tools. That's something that is a new thing I have to think about. Yeah. Is having, you know, like some Allen keys and screwdrivers and stuff. So mm. uh, I've got my, so it was a multi-tool, a bike multi-tool, uh, some... Uh, tire levers, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I've now moved those out so that that can be a snack pack. <laughs> Very important. <laughs> Snacks. I put my um, my batteries for the camera there, and my uh, power bank in that that bag. Yeah. Then in the frame, I so I would like to in the future get a frame bag that fits in the whole frame. Mm. But to get one that fits the whole frame, like to get a custom one, is really expensive. Yeah. So what I've done is I've loaded in uh, a cargo carrier. So Blackburn and make this five, it can carry five kilos worth of gear. So it's like an oversized water bottle holder yeah. with straps. And I put in there my stove and then behind it, I have my, I have what was a water bottle area is now I put all my tools. So it's like a, it's like a, a tin that fits in the, the bottle holder. Mm. And I've put two water bottle holders onto the handlebar so they're easy to reach and also then I don't have the issue of it being in the frame and then underneath the bike so I've I've got some um, hose clamps and I've clamped on another of the five kilo um, out Blackburn Outpost cargo carriers yeah. and I carry a bigger bottle of water that carries like backup if I need extra mm. which I found I drink a lot more cycling yeah it's certainly a lot uh more strenuous on the body yep mm. and then out the back i have a, a seat pack which is quite a large this is probably the biggest bag i have and in there i keep my um sleeping stuff and so the front has my clothes and i think the medikit and toiletries and then the back I've got the bulkier stuff mm. so if I, if I was doing one where I needed to have a tent I would probably put the tent in there and, and you know other stuff but at the moment I'm, I'm getting away with just putting the sleeping bag sleeping bag liner uh, the mat mm. and um, yeah and then on top of it there's a like an area where you can just tie up a, um, a raincoat which is handy nice. and I've got my day pack from hiking which i still use yep. and that carries very little gear it just is like my camera um sorry carries my second lens like i've got a better quality lens and a few other things in there S a bit of snacks um and i actually have my camera slung across across me as i cycle so i can take photos as i go yeah i was gonna ask you about that because obviously you're not gonna be taking as many photos because you've got such a long distance to in between campsites and towns um i was wondering where your camera was so you could easily just stop and click click a photo so i'm taking a lot of photos actually which is probably slowing me down a lot but mm. you know i'm not in a rush and like the 
they're like 45 k's between campsites and even when i'm stopping a lot i'm still getting it done in five hours so i'm not in a mad rush um so including like you know stopping to look at the map because i think that the mandibidi is not as well marked as the (laughs) bibbleman also because you're going fast you can miss turns more easily um so there's a you know you waste a lot of time more so than than i find on the bib Mm. um but i'm finding that the five hours to do the k's is is fine so if you think about that you've got plenty of time even in winter yeah because i mean that's one thing that i've heard people say about doing the mundabidi is like you may be able to cycle it 20 to 30 k's on the road and on pavement but you really need to take into account you're not going to be traveling 100 plus k's a day on a bike yeah not possible in the terrain and um the surface that you get yeah i mean you get some lovely bits where you're probably doing like 20 k's Mm. you know just careening down the hill probably faster than 20 k's yeah um but it's those uphills on (laughs) not very good trail that's maybe a bit slippery yeah where you're probably only going five you know so three of you're pushing your bike (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly so yeah it's 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 fine you know in terms of of the the time so i'm stopping a lot but i have the camera around my neck i've so for ningaloo i bought an underwater case that needed needed the like a really compact lens Mm. and i was really disappointed because i spent all this money on the lens and the case yeah but the lens has actually been really useful because it's much lighter than the you've seen the lens that i've been using for the it's long (laughs) yeah Whereas this is a nice light lens and I can just sort of get off, take the photo and yeah. yeah. So that's, that's my kit. Uh, the water bottles, uh, were sort of brought over from the hiking kit, but I've recently just bought the two for the, 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 the handlebar that are specific to this. I've also, I mean, all my clothes, uh, stuff that I had. Hmm. So I had some like Uniqlo activewear that I wear when I cycle. So not wearing Lycra. <laughs> That's disappointing. Um, my socks are my hiking socks. My shoes were just some sneakers that I have. Mm. Um, the the down jacket is from hiking. The raincoats from hiking. So a, a lot mm. of the clothing is just stuff that I've had. I've yeah. not had to buy anything. I had, oh, I did have to buy gloves because I was finding that my hands were getting ripped up. Yeah. So I mean it's it's a little bit more expensive than hiking but once you got your bike and a few other carry bags that's pretty much you're set for whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean if you think about it in terms of the kilometers you're not spending you know, like that much per kilometer. Yeah. So I mean your bike it's going to be a dollar a kilometer just yep. for the bike. Yeah. Which is pretty reasonable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, especially, you know, because it's like the bib and you've got free accommodation as well. Mm. It really makes it quite economical. Um, especially I started this at, at the time my hours at work had been reduced to 80%. So I had Mondays off. So it, it made sense to make use of my time. Yeah. And also I just, because I was, you know, making less money, I was also concerned you know i didn't want to spend a fortune on this yeah so you know it made sense that this is something that was not too expensive to undertake mm. 
and that's where this will be the first of many posts on the Mundabidi and one of our guests that we have lined up um, haven't asked yet um, <laughs> has done the Mundabidi on a very very tight budget purposefully yeah so I mean we'll be getting guests in um, to talk about the sections because obviously like with the Bibbleman most yeah. of them I haven't done <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like this will be very similar to the Bibbleman like we'll do an episode per map. Mm. Um, we'll get guests in to give their their thoughts. So it's not just me talking about it. And we, we for for all we know, there might be a Mark's rebuttal episode where you go, "No, nah, I disagree with everything Don has ever said." Potentially, <laughs> um, it's not something that I've actively thought about doing. Other than if I was going to do an end to end of the Billman, I would then tack on an extra two to three weeks to cycle back on the Mundabidi. So maybe one day. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say it was something that was on my radar but for like the far distant future yeah but given what was presented to me in in April of things to do Mm. it just made sense that this would be what I did this year yeah trying to think what I can do is a different thing maybe like a long distance kayak (laughs) (laughs) kayak the Donnelly yeah have the next big thing or I take up dirt bike riding and do like the Gib River Road or something (laughs) that would actually be cool I reckon yeah yeah maybe we'll we'll work on that (laughs) yeah anyway so that's been episode one of our Mundabidi discussion yeah I hope everyone's enjoying the change of uh, scenery so to speak yeah and Don's better outlook on the Jarrah forest <laughs> and I guess a bit of a spoiler it gets even better <laughs> wow now you showed me the photos earlier and yes it does get infinitely better yep okay thank you everyone for listening to this first episode of the Mundabidi series if you've enjoyed this episode or any other episode of Real Trail Talk then please rate us on whatever platform you're currently listening to us on. Ratings really help for us to reach an audience and for people who maybe are looking to learn about the outdoors in Western Australia and Australia in general. If you had any questions or any suggestions for future episodes, you can email us at realtrailtalk at gmail.com or you can contact us through our social media channels. Thank you for listening and we'll be back in two weeks.